Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email agelessarttattooandpiercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2017, one man's vision and passion for all things metal started out as a record store in his house. Years later, the fight against a mainstream empire continues as Shade Beast. An independent metal collective and online store based in Athens, Georgia, is the world's premier heavy metal brand for music heads that value authenticity over the mainstream acceptance. Featuring original t-shirts from some of the best underground artists, as well as stickers, posters from the Shade Beast Presents concert series. Unique, one-of-a-kind collectibles and small curated selection of vinyl and cassettes from the masters old and new. Visit ShadeBeast.com and enter promo code SITHLORD for free domestic shipping on your first order, whether you're a new customer or returning. And be sure to join the Shade Beast social groups on Facebook and the interwebs to keep up with the new release announcements and talk all things metal and Star Wars. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and filth. St. 
Thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson and I'm your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at metalforgeradio at gmail.com or visit the website metalforgeradio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What is going on, Metalheads? Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of The Metal Forge. How the hell are you all this week? Holy shit, what an amazing week this is. We have Dave Ellison from the band Kings of Thrash, Dieth, a few others, and formerly, you know, of Megadeth here in the Metal Forge. And we are going to be talking about uh, he and Jeff Young's new thing, Kings of Thrash, the tour that started yesterday and goes on for about the next month. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about his new project, Dieth. Um, everybody kind of knows who this guy already is, you know. Uh, there's not much I can say about him other than, you know, just some of the other cool stuff. Like, you know, he works for uh, PV Amplification and such. He is their uh, account relations rep, which is totally cool because it's like he's the guy who handles your uh, PV endorsements and shit like that, which is pretty kick-ass, you know. It's like, hey, if you play PV or anything like that, you know, shoot him a message. You know, uh, Dave's going to be looking at your looking at your stuff to see if you're worthy of being an account. Uh, you know, uh, a uh, endorsed artist and all that cool stuff. So uh, he is also a writer. He he came out with an autobiography called My Life with Death in 2013. Hell yeah! He is also in a band called Hail with Jimmy DeGrasso, Tim Owens, the Ripper, Tim Owens, uh, and. Uh, Andreas Kisser, uh, and Mike Portnoy has been in that band, it looks like. He uh, has also, in 2017, I thought this was really cool about reading about him. He created Ellison Coffee Company and opened up like a coffee shop in his hometown of Jackson, Minnesota. Uh, The shop sells signature coffee blend dubbed the Urban Legend and albums and other merchandise from his label, EMP Music Group. It also features what they call the Museum of Death, which displays some of his uh, collection as well as some memorabilia from other artists, which that's really fucking rad, you know? That, like, he's actually doing that and giving back to the community, and it's not all in a hard rock cafe or in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or anything like that, so. But, yeah, you know, he's also done things like Attitudes and Altitude, or Altitudes and Attitude, I am sorry. Jeez, I can't read today worth a shit. And, you know, that's with uh, Frank Bello, uh, and, of course, his own solo project of Ellison and Ellison Soto, it's just a lot of cool stuff. Uh, Night Fury uh, was one of the things that he's done. Metal Allegiance, Temple of Brutality, The Lucid. He has his hands in a lot of stuff, and it is so fucking cool. But Jason is also back this week from the Heavy Metal Wasteland, and he's got some some uh, Megadeth going and you know David Ellison uh, stuff on his segment today too so we're going to check in with him here momentarily and we're going to see what he has to say Jason what you got welcome back to the wasteland 
pretty excited about today's guest, the legendary David Ellison. Uh, obviously, you know him from Megadeth. But he has some new projects, the Kings of Thrash uh, project, which is him and Jeff Young and some other guys, I'm not privy to their names, doing the debut album and also So Far So Good So What in its entirety. I'm kind of on the fence about that one. Uh, I don't really know if I want to see a couple dudes, um, you know, filling in for, you know, Dave and whoever else is on drums. But at the same time, where am I ever going to hear these songs played live again besides this tour? Uh, price is a little steep, I have to say. 30 bucks. Uh, that's what I paid for Testament, Death Angel, and Exodus. So I'm probably going to go, but it might be a day of show decision uh, on my part. But uh, also the band uh, Dieth, I think it is, is uh, working on some stuff that he started. So uh, I'll be interested to hear that album when it's done. They've only got one song out, so I'm kind of holding my judgment for the rest of the project to be released. But uh, today, I'm going to go over my favorite David Ellison Megadeth contributions. Um, so this could be, you know, a bass riff, um, you know, a part in a song, um, you know, just the uh, contributing to the overall feel of the song. There's really no uh, certain criteria other than it's Megadeth and David Ellison played in it while he was in Megadeth during that time. Because he's been in the band twice. I suspect there will probably be a third time on down the line when uh, you know the reunion happens, but we shall see. So I'm just gonna go in a random order here, jump around on my phone. Uh, I know all these songs pretty well. Uh, I listen to uh, you know 2000 and before Megadeth pretty often. So let's just start with Peace Sells uh, out. Obviously, the song Peace Sells, uh, classic. Everyone knows that bass riff well. It's kind of the driving force behind the song, if you ask me, because the intro is so iconic. Also, let's not uh, sleep in on uh, Wake Up Dead or The Conjuring. Uh, both have really strong bass contributions uh, that really uh, give those songs a good, an awesome feel. I especially like Wake Up Dead a lot. Um, he's pretty busy on bass on that one. But he is with The Conjuring, too. There's a cool uh, bass line underneath the uh, kind of spiderweb riffs that Mustaine likes to do. And then a special shout-out to Devil's Island, who my band, when we first started, uh, kind of ripped the intro off uh, verbatim without really realizing it. Uh, We have a song called March of the Barbarian Horde. It's on our band camp on the War Mallet EP. If you care to listen and see um, pretty much how how much we really uh, like that song a lot, that we basically lifted the intro without realizing it until I just was listening to this album one day and heard it. I was like, oh my god. We uh, just about ripped this off verbatim. Uh, just in a different tuning. So uh, check that out if you're interested. Uh, you know, I don't apologize for it. I don't shy away from it. Yes, it is almost a rip. And no, I'm not ashamed of it. Because it's such a good intro. Alright, so let's go up to everyone's favorite, or at least runner-up, Rust in Peace. There, every song on here is legendary, so I'm just going to pick out a couple that, you know, are kind of down in the um, track list, so to say. Dawn Patrol is a really heavy bass and drum intro to the song Rust in Peace, or Polaris. Also, Poison Was a Cure, another awesome bass riff intro, uh, along with Five Magics. So, um, there's those three. I can't really, there's nothing I can really say about these songs, so I'm just kind of be short right to the point what I like about them. Countdown to Extinction, 
Architecture of Aggression. Hands down, my favorite song on that album. It's not the fastest or flashiest, but man, when him and Nick Menza, RIP, really lock in on a lot of these songs during this era, I mean, it's really, really good. Architecture of Aggression, no, no different. Um, about two thirds of the way through, there's a really cool bass and drum uh, solo part that's just like the nastiest bass tone like that you will hear anywhere. But there's a lot of good stuff on, you know, Countdown. Obviously, their most uh, commercial or successful album by far. Uh, Shout out to uh, Psychotron, too. Uh, Not my favorite song, but a pretty damn heavy song. As well as uh, High Speed Dirt. Let's move on up to Hidden Treasures, the movie soundtrack or B-side collection that um, has some pretty uh, good treasures on it. Hence the name. The song Go to Hell... Uh, it's probably my favorite on here. That's from the Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey soundtrack. Just a massive bass riff that really makes you feel like you're probably gonna die. I mean, it's uh, it does it, it gets the point across. And I have to say, uh, listening to this one loud on a really good system that can handle uh, some really low bass frequencies, it's a uh, it's quite the experience actually. Let's go back to Euthanasia now. A lot of people really don't like this album. Uh, you know, it was in the shadow of Counter to Extinction. And we all know that albums that get released after major successful albums always kind of get shit on or forgotten about or just uh, remembered uh, negatively. And I think Euthanasia is one of those albums. Reckoning Day is a pretty good one. Um, it's a good intro. But I don't think this album really starts until Elysian Fields. It never really lets up. But I'm going to point out uh, Train of Consequences as far as bass performances go. I think this was the first single off this album, if I'm not mistaken. I remember seeing the video for it on a, like a random uh, weekday afternoon. I was off school, and uh, I thought it was really cool. I will say the bass performance on this is almost like a little bit... sounds like funk, almost. Not that it's like a funky riff, but the way he hits the bass with the guitar... Riff, which is a bunch of palm muted strings just strummed up and down really fast. Um, pretty cool, uh, makes it really heavy, and uh, the verse riff is very melodic in it. So, if you haven't listened to Euthanasia in a while, um, you know, except for Tulamon, which I don't know why they picked that one song out to play every set off this album, it's beyond me, but uh, the, the album's pretty solid. Uh, not the first half, um, you know, kind of weak, but the from songs five and on, pretty heavy. Uh, onto cryptic writings. Trust is obviously a classic with a you know that intro bass coming in after the drums have been playing, and also the song "Almost Honest." While it's uh, not the greatest song, uh, the bass really makes it um, listenable and uh, really drives the song home. So. I think that's pretty much all I got. Um, you know, obviously his bass tone in uh, Dystopia was uh, pretty awesome. And uh, I would have loved to hear his bass in the newest album. I thought it was a really solid uh, thrash album uh, musically. It's too bad that we didn't get to hear what his bass sounded like. But um, it's for another day or possible re release if, uh, you know, Mustaine likes to go back and uh, remix all his shit that was, uh, you know, okay to begin with. So we shall see. 
But I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoy the David Ellison interview. I am looking forward to hearing myself at the time of recording this. I have not heard it, so congratulations to Mark for you know landing such a legendary guest. And uh, we will talk to you guys next time. And as always, stay safe, stay heavy, keep the heavy metal flame lit, and we will see you next time. Absolutely. Jason, thank you so much. Athena, as well, thank you so much for all the stuff you guys do for the Metal Forge with your segments of the Heavy Metal Wasteland and Metal Mischief, respectively. I appreciate you all so fucking much. And you know what? Let's go ahead and keep this uh, monologue this week short and sweet. Let's get into this. We're going to go ahead and listen to a Megadeth song. You know, because why not? And... It's, it's not going to be one that, you know, everybody just l- goes and listens to. It's not going to be Peace Cells. We're going to listen to Set the World Afire.
right, metalheads. I am being joined by one, well, two people again because this seems to be the thing these days. Is Athena is back this week? Hi. And we are being joined by one of the metal masters out there, Mister David Ellison. Hey guys, what's happening? Guys and girls, what's happening? Hey, <laughs> dude, I am doing amazing. Like. I'm I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and it's sun shining out, and it's still cold like a, like a son of a bitch, but <laughs> sure. yeah, but yeah. It, but it's cool. So, uh, you you and Athena have already met. You met at Days of the Dead in Atlanta back mm-hmm. back in right. January. Uh, yeah. So, how are things? Great, yeah. Hi, Athena. <laughs> we, hey, we, nice. You, you say back in. You say back in January, it was literally like a week ago, like less than a week ago. So it's yeah. good. That's, uh, um, but it's, uh, yeah, nice to, nice to talk to you again. Um, and, uh, yeah, Mark, I mean, we're heading up your way here shortly on the Kings of Thrash tour in a couple of weeks. So, um, look forward to, uh, being back in your neck of the woods and yeah, everything is, everything is great, man. We're just, uh, getting everything fired up for the tour and, ready to go absolutely you all are going to be playing in cincinnati at legends up there which i've wanted to be i've wanted to go to that place and mm-hmm. but I, I haven't got a chance to yet because it's a two-hour drive for me um so you you mentioned kings of thrash so run everybody through what kings of thrash is Sure. So it's uh, it's me and Jeff Young, um, who played on the So Far So Good So What album in uh, 1987, and then we toured that record through 1988. And uh, so it's he and I joined forces again, and uh, our drummer Fred Aching, who also plays in the Bullet Boys, and uh, our singer Chaz Leon, um, who ironically has a, uh, a Megadeth tribute band called Woke Up Dead, who I actually played with years ago. He, they, he was hired to play at a, at a, at a book signing that I did down in La Jolla. And, um, and so we have kind of serendipitously were brought together in, uh, May of 2022, uh, at the whiskey, a go, go in Hollywood when they had the ultimate jam night, they did a, a tribute to the big four. And so Jeff Young called me and I flew out and, uh, we got on stage together and jammed a few tunes and that's, uh, I, would already had this idea of doing some type of thing where we could go out and perform some of these earlier, um, Megadeth records that, you know, just haven't been performed and, and may not be performed again. Um, and, uh, you know, from a different era, from a different time and place and, I know fans have been asking for them, and this provided the opportunity. We came up with the name Kings of Thrash, and so we went out uh, in October of uh, 2022. We did four shows in San Diego, Phoenix, Las Vegas, and then finished back at the uh, the Whiskey A Go Go. Uh, we kind of wrapped that little run where it's where it all started uh, a few months earlier, and we we filmed and recorded. Uh, the, that nights and um, so now we have a DVD and a live album coming out in uh, March 24th on Cleopatra Records called Kings of Thrash the Mega Years Best of the West live at the Whiskey of Go Go so that's what it is and the tour coming up is you know it's ironically 
you know, usually you do a tour to support an album, and then off the tour you you get a uh, live album. So it's kind of ironic that uh, we don't have original material out yet, even though we're working on some stuff now. Um, this this tour coming up here in February and March, uh, the Thrashing USA tour, is essentially to support and give awareness to this live album that's going to be coming out in late March. So um, this is, uh, there. there it is. That's the whole summary of Hell everything. Yeah. Uh, and I got to say, there you, go. you know, I got to say, I saw you play the Kings of Thrash uh, last Saturday in Atlanta. And um, it was fucking fantastic. And as a huge Megadeth fan, you know, it was like you said, man, it's uh, something for the fans to really be excited about because you guys sounded fantastic. And it was amazing getting to hear those old uh, Megadeth songs, you know. And then you did play Train of Consequences, too, off of Euthanasia, which was fun. So, um, you know, that was pretty awesome. So I just I want to give testament to like how awesome you guys sounded and um i definitely think everybody should check out the kings of thrash tour for sure cool you know thank you athena i appreciate it and because athena knows me like very well i was about to be like what does chuck billy have to do with this testament (laughs) Ah. (laughs) make those uh, metal dad jokes (laughs) (laughs) well you know so we're as you said athena we're you know we're playing um in particular, we're performing the Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good album and the So Far So Good So What records in their entirety. And we are putting in a couple of other little fun hidden gems. Um, again, tracks like, uh, you know, songs like Train of Consequences. Nice. Uh, we put in I Ain't Superstitious. Um, and that was, you know, it's funny, our version of that that we put on the P-Cells album was taken not so much from the writer willie dixon his his version we took it more from the jeff beck version um that i think was on the truth album the jeff beck truth album um and it's it's that version that we you know sort of souped up and put on the p-cells album so um you know it was it was a way to again do another deep dive into a song that hasn't been performed in many many years and uh, also show a little uh, ode to uh, Jeff Beck, who has just you know departed. So yeah, it's it's fun. We've got, in fact, we've got some other you know deep dives we're going to do here on the tour coming up, um, just as a way to continue dipping back into uh, some catalog deep dives. You know, our our VIP meet and greets that we're doing uh, because we're playing in clubs. You know, this music was written when Megadeth was a club act before it became a theater and, a, and, a, and an arena band. You know, this material plays well to these size venues. Um, I think it's, it's, it's most responsive in those venues. And, and as a result, our VIP meet and greets, you know, we're, we're saying, Hey, bring all your stuff, man. You know, we're, we're, we're hanging out, we're signing stuff, we're taking photos. It's, you know, this is like an old school hang, you know? Um, Hell yeah. so much of, you know, as bands get bigger, things get more corporate, they get more organized. And and as a result, you know, your availability to the fans becomes less. The availability for the fans to sort of interact and and say, hey, can you sign my backpack or my patch or my Killing is My Business album? You know, those opportunities are less and less. So this is an opportunity, um, you know, through our, through our meet and greets that, that we can you know, we can accommodate some of those requests for this stuff. And, um, 
you know, so like I, you know, I say, hey, bring all 85 of your Megadeth albums. We're cool with that. You know, <laughs> you're not get thrown out for asking us to sign your guitar or something, you know, so it's all good. You know, and I think I actually have that many uh, <laughs> albums of that. So, yeah, between it, it sounds the- like a funny number, but it's not. But yeah, like you, you know, yeah, you picture discs. Imports, you know, singles, 45s, you know, See, albums, I, you know, whatever. Yeah, there's a I'm ton a of stickler. stuff out there, you know? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I'm the stickler where, like, I bought the remastered series uh, mm-hmm. first because of I'm, I'm only 40. So, so okay. the remastered series was a thing. And now it's like, you know what? I want to go back and get these, uh, the original presses. Right. And then it's right. like. All right, so now I know what I'm what what's being changed, what's different, and and going right. from there. So, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, you know, you're, you're exactly right, and and you know, there's a lot of um, you know, you know, younger generation of fans that that support this music, and and you know, it, it's funny. I see father and son uh, people coming to these uh, to their shows, which I think is really cool. You know, to see like. You know, I have, I have a friend of mine who brought his son to our Phoenix show, and I saw him, I don't know, a week or so later, and he said, he goes, dude, my son has seen System of a Down, he's seen Corn. he said, Kings of Thrash is by far his favorite concert he's ever seen. Oh, and, yeah. you know, and, you know, we just played this little 500-seat club, you know, and, and you know, we're, you know, so it, it, it's just a different spirit to it, because... We're, it's raw, it's intense, we don't use backing tracks, it's just us up there playing it, um, and, and you know, again, Jeff and I are OGs, you know, we're guys who really were on these records, and um, and so, you know, there's there's an authenticity to it all, and, and again, we're just doing it as a celebration and, and a moment in time to take this out and take it around the track and let people celebrate it, and... and um, and and fans are just super stoked about it, and it's fun to introduce people to to this music from so many years ago. Definitely. So you you hit on something there that I want to I want to touch really fast is you were playing. You said you were playing this little five hundred seat place. So mm-hmm. obviously the the difference is you know you're doing a five hundred seat place or you're doing you know like a thirty thousand seat place. What do you right. prefer? Well, look, they both have their place, and, and you know, the difference is, look, to play Killing Is My Business in the 30,000 seat, you can just tell immediately that it doesn't connect as well with that many people, right? First of all, that many people yeah. probably don't know that record, right? <laughs> yeah, um, right. You know what I mean? And, and, really? and look, it's, sold, it's, it's probably sold a million copies, so it's not like people are just unaware of it, but say 30,000, that means you're probably playing on a festival, right? So... Um, and even if it was a headlining show, say to 5,000 people, right? right? You know, the band's core audience, right? You know, of those people, you know, look, they know Sweating Bullets. They know Dystopia. They know, you know, uh, Atulamans, you know, maybe Train of Consequences, right? So they know kind of the 90s, you know, mainstream era. They certainly know some of the MTV era, P-Cells, Wake Up Dead, you know, In My Darkest Hour. So they know you know, the more obvious singles from, from those records from, you know, especially from the Capitol records years. Um, so, so far so good. So what connects maybe a little bit more, um, but you know, killing is my business had no singles. I mean, it was just 
it was literally combat records. It was an independent uh, release. It was our first album. Um, <clears throat> you know, so it, but, but I've watched it become this cult classic fan favorite, um, because, you know, it's been re-released a couple times. It's been remixed, remastered. Um, you know, Sony has re-released it because they now own the, the that, that catalog of combat records. So um, it's been pushed out into the mainstream. But I'm just saying it, it, it you know, it's, it's one of these records that it came along in an earlier uh, era of the band. So the, the fans that do the deep dive are aware of it. The, the sort of drive by fans that, Oh yeah, Megadeth. Yeah. I heard them on the radio the other day. Right. Yeah. My dad knew them. And I was, I hear it once in a while when he plays it, when he's fixing his car in the garage, you know, you get a lot of those <laughs> kind of things, right. <laughs> you know, dad's probably not listening to killing is my business. You know what I mean? So <laughs> there's, 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 there's a fun element about, really quite honestly in these you know let's call them 500 seat venues you know introducing these fans to this to this record and and not just the needle drop but in the room the experience of how this music moves your body how you know it's thrashing it makes you want to fucking bang your head and you know and fucking get in the mosh pit and you know there's just a whole different experience to it um because it's you know it's very interactive um once you hear it, it, it has a primal, it moves you like prime, primal style, you know what I mean? Or it's like, yeah, you've got a snarl oh, your yeah. fucking lip and you want to rock, you know? So there's Absolutely. there's a lot of those yeah. elements that come into it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So before we get over to some general questions here, I do want to ask you also about Dieth. Yes. So you all released a single. Uh, mm -hmm. here about six or so months ago, what, uh, what are we, mm -hmm. and Athena actually reviewed it on this week's episode of, of the show of the metal force. Nice. And yeah. so what are we, are we looking for an album to come out soon for that? Yes. Yes. We have a deal with Napalm records and, um, we are going to be dropping the record this summer. There's going to be, in fact, it's one of the things with sort of the timing of all this with, um, you know, with, with Kings of Thrash tour, then live album coming out. And then right after that, we're going to start, uh, you'll start hearing some new music from Dieth. We've been working on that record behind the scenes here over the last uh, several months. Um, I think the record is super good. Uh, and it's very different. It's, it's, you know, it's not the lucid, it's not Ellison Soto. It's not, my past with Kings of Thrash, it is a new sound, um, you know, like what you heard. It's, right. uh, yeah. it's got a raw in your face intensity. Um, and, um, I'm doing some singing on it and it's funny that of all bands, my voice sits really well in the scheme of that because it's really heavy, right? That music is really heavy. So, yeah. um, it's, it's really cool. I think we've got a, it, 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 it's, I can't wait for it to come out, you know? So, um, all of these things have a place, you know, the Ellison Soto record that I put out last uh, October, um, was an album I was super excited about because I just think it had fantastic material. Unfortunately, I think the reviews and people just was like, wow. This oh, was, I liked it. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. a good kind of power metal, mainstream metal kind of record. Obviously, the Lucid. We put some stuff out here um, in December and January, and that record had, had been sitting in the 
in the cannon ready to shoot that one out. And I say that it's kind of no pun intended because that's actually the artwork too. But uh, we, you know, we couldn't wait to fire that one off because that's got a, you know, it's got its own sits in its own world. And obviously now out doing Kings of Thrash is, you know, a celebration of our, of our past. And, um, you know, for the goodwill of, of just our, our legacy and, and everything about that. And then, you know, yeah, now moving forward, the Dieth record, um, I'm looking forward to hearing it and I'm looking forward to seeing what you think about it. Cause I, I, I feel really good about that record. Definitely. Well, I'm super, I'm super excited after reviewing your single, um, in the hall of the hanging serpents. It's like you yep. said, it's just so fucking heavy and it's brutal as yep. shit. And, um, I really, yeah. really liked it. And I really think, you know, that the album, that if that's a nod to what the album's going to be like, I'm super excited, but I do have a question that's burning me up, though. <laughs> I just want to know how you ended up with Miranda from Entombed AD and Lasisco from Decapitated. How did that happen? How did you guys... You know, that is a cosmic... You'd have to ask the universe how that would happen. Because, <laughs> this, you know, that's how most of these things really happen, you know. It, it's funny how um, if you just kind of keep yourself open to the possibilities of... Sure, why not? You know what I mean? That's always my answer. Sure, why not? You know? Sure, uh, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because look, it, I always say if you don't go, you know what you got. It's it's the moment you're sitting in. That's what you got, right? But if you say yeah. yes and you go, well, who knows what we'll get, you know? It might be awesome, it could be a disaster, but well, fuck it, we'll find out, you know? Let's, and usually it's never a disaster because you know, if you just go ahead and just move forward with it, you know, and, and you know, and I'm talking musically and everything here and, and just creating new friendships and brotherhood with, with other, you know, other artists and, you know, you, you're creating stuff together. And, you know, and when you create together, you're always, you know, you're always sort of weighing more track for the train to keep rolling down. You know, uh, if you just stop and you say, no. Well, you know, the train's only going to go that far, you know? So to me, you know, look, I grew up in the Midwest. I couldn't wait to go West. I guess in a way I'm kind of a pioneer, right? And, and my Ellison family, as I've looked at the, at the history of our family, <clears throat> most of us, after we got out of school, we all went West for a season of our lives, right? So, you know, I moved to California right after high school. We started Megadeth, you know, um, I still live out here in the West in Arizona. So, I mean, on some level, I guess I'm, you know, I've kind of got a, well, I don't know, there's gold and then there are hills kind of mentality, you know, and, um, and, you know, you, you show up every day and you do it and, and, you know, look, to answer your question directly, um, rather than my philosophical answer, I just gave you, you know, to give, to give you your answer directly is, you know, my friend, uh, Opus who plays drums in a group called dead by Wednesday, out of Connecticut, um, you know, I'd put some records out for him through uh, EMP and combat and everything. Um, and he and I were friends and he played drums for me and my, my bass story and my solo stuff that I had done. And, you know, he hit me one day, he goes, Hey, you know, uh, Glermay's, you know, his, you know, Lars from Entombed had, uh, had passed away from cancer and, mm -hmm. you know, and Glermay went through, uh, you know, a, a grieving period with that and was ready to, you know, kind of get reset and get started on the next phase of his life. And so it's kind of funny between, you know, Mihal, Guilherme and me, we were all kind of 
you know, by early 2022, we were all kind of like, you know, we're all ready to, you know, okay, what's next? You know, what is, what does this year hold? What is, you know, it's January. I think when we, when we cut that track, um, and, and that, that started it. And, you know, Glare came back and he goes, brothers, he goes, this sounds so good. I'd love to do some more. And I was like, the answer is always yes. Sure. Why not? Let's keep writing. So that's how it happened. You know? So by the time we dropped that single back in uh, July last year, um, and it took, you know, all but a week and Napalm was at our door and we did the deal within a few days and it was done. And I mean, so by then we already had, you know, the better part of an album already in motion. So, um, you know, you know, preparation is part of it too, you know, shoot up, show up and, and be prepared, you know? So we, we already had songs. So that's why to me, I'm always writing, I'm always creating. And, and I mean, look, we already have half of the next diet album written. I mean, we're so on fire wow. and excited for this band. I mean, we're just crushing it, you know, sending riffs and lyrics and stuff back and forth. You know, it's nice when you find a, a, a home to create into, you know what I mean? And, um, and diet seems to be that it seems to be a really good outlet where we feel comfortable, uh, with each other, with the, the sound of the band. It seems to fit the topics and the lyrical things that, that we come up with and the riffs and stuff. So, um, it's, it's nice to, to have that already in place now. Definitely. So there will be tour support for that as well this summer. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, we have some festivals that we're announcing. Grass Pop is already confirmed for in Belgium for June, and we've got some more festivals that are confirming now that we're going. In fact, we just confirmed another one today. So through uh, into August, we're going to be doing some shows over in Europe, and I think for immediately the band will certainly exist in Europe and doing festivals over there, and then you know as the as the hopefully the sound catches on and. If people like it the way I think they will, we'll we'll keep moving it around the planet. Definitely. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, what you say with the Europe deal, and it, it always seems like Europe has these crazy scenes and crazy festival shows. Uh, right. When it comes to playing live, like, do you? <clears throat> I, obviously, it's probably pretty much anywhere. But do you prefer playing in in Europe to America or? You know, it's it's different. You know, it's um, I've, I'm lucky that I grew up in a band and at a time, and I guess maybe with a genre that was very was probably equally as popular everywhere around the world, right? And right. certain nations were coming out of dictatorships and coming out of political and financial oppression. You know, at different times. Um, and often, you know, with Megadeth, we were the band that went there first, you know, like South America, um, going over to Russia back in 2001 when we first went there. Um, I remember going over to uh, Poland, uh, to Katowice, uh, I think on the, God, I seem to think it was the Cryptic Writings Tour. Um, you know, now that wasn't too long after, you know, the wall had fallen and checkpoint Charlie was gone and things, you know, it, it took a few years for the economies to kind of get started and kind of get, get rolling. But I remember, cause I, I remember Bruce Dickinson and Adrian Smith, they were out of Iron Maiden at that time. And Bruce had gone solo. Bruce was actually supporting us. Um, 
And uh, so, it, you know, it was just an interesting time. And even in 93, I remember we went over to Europe with Metallica and we did, I mean, they had been everywhere. They'd been so many places on the Black Album Tour that the name of the tour that we played with them on was called Nowhere Else to Roam. You know, just, they, were, <laughs> yeah. they were literally going into, I remember it was like, you know, the check again. So the, the, the wall had fallen. You know, that whole thing was over. The, uh, Yugoslavia had now been, uh, Czechoslovakia had been, you know, now factioned off into, uh, um, you know, the Czech Republic, Slovenia, um, uh, Slovakia. You know, these countries have, were now, you know, segregated. They became their own countries finally, right? And um, and one of them, maybe it was Slovakia, the money was so new, they were still using Czech money and they put like a little stamp up in the corner, right? And I mean, you'd, you'd go through, it was before the EU. So, I mean, as you cross borders, you know, there's like, you know, guards with machine guns and you have to get your passport out. And you know, it was a little, little hairy, you know, but, but it was, it was a, it was definitely the dawn of a new era, you know? And um, so it was, it was kind of cool in my lifetime as a, as an artist and a musician and a performer that it got to experience a lot of that. You know? So, um, and of course, heavy metal is the music they call first. You know, <laughs> they right. say, you know, let, let's get you know metal. That's what the that's what the people want to hear. You know, when they've come out from you know oppression, depression, and repression, like that's what they that's what they want. So, you know, in my career, I've gone to these places very early on before they've really, you know, before all the fancy stuff comes in, they call us, and you're, it's still a little rough, but you go. Because the fans love it, you know. So um, I, I like those opportunities. Well, I think it's pretty cool. Well, I think metalheads are the ones out there who they know that we can handle it. I mean, the, you got to send the metalheads so Garth Brooks can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? You know when we went to South, when we went to Argentina, I remember in '94 on the Euthanasia album, we essentially kicked our world tour off down there, and so it was Brazil. Uh, first time in Chile, first time in Argentina. We had played in Rock and Rio, so we'd been in Brazil in '91. But that was just you know one day of a fe- of a big festival, right? So, you know, real first tour was '94, and I remember um, the people at uh, EMI, you know, in our record company. Um, they said they said you know there's four bands that really matter down here in Argentina, and it's the Rolling Stones, the Ramones. Uh, Megadeth and U2 and and for whatever reason that was the music the fans gravitated to and probably because I think the four of our us had gone there very early on and they you know again were coming out of a lot of political oppression um, I mean I remember driving down the streets from the hotel to the concert venue in Chile and still seeing swastikas on the wall I mean you know re- like re- real stuff you know what I mean we live in America like we in this country was formed entirely away from all that. So we've never, you know, really, we've had our stuff for sure, you know, and certainly more recently, but you know, that's stuff that, that we haven't experienced. And I think like with, with diet, you know, which is based in Poland, you know, I was over in Katowice, um, you know, and, and where again, I was with Bruce Dickinson, you know, back in, 1998 but i mean now i was there again and i've been there several times but i was there for about a week with diet we're shooting some we're shooting a video and um a couple of videos yeah yeah and we're shooting we just shot a couple new ones and this is back in november 
So obviously Poland in November, not, you know, sunny and balmy by any means. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and even around Poland, it's a big country. So the north and the south and these different things, you feel a different flavor. And there's been a lot that's happened there. You know, the thousand years of the Poles and then during, you know, the communist era, how it was divided and the warring factions that have gone on around it. And, you know what I mean? So, and of course, you know, their neighbor is Ukraine. So, I mean, you know, this is like real stuff that goes on over there. And, and you know, when you're there and you spend a little time there, you're not just blowing through for a day to play a show, but you're, you're really there and, you know, we're living in an Airbnb and, and hanging, you know, it's like, man, you, you start to really absorb, you know, the, the, the real, sentiment and feeling of, 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 of the country, you know? So I think a lot of that comes into the diet music. And so it's, it's a band that, you know, we're not just talking about stuff. It's like, I feel like, you know, we're all making the investment of, of really, you know, living there. And I mean, I mean look me, all the drummer, he lives up in Gdansk up in the North. So, I mean, he, he is Polish, you know? So um, it's, it's, it's interesting to really, you know, just kind of steep yourself in the culture definitely and i i couldn't imagine you know being out on the road and like you said you know where in poland the next door neighbor is the ukraine and and with everything that's been going on yeah well up in Gdańsk, there's up you know it's in the far north and there's a really nice area up there um it's like a nice like a malibu like a beach area um you know it's right on the water there's uh, there's a piece right next to it, which is Russia. It's like this little sliver of Russia's right there, you know, probably for Russia to have a foothold in that territory, you know. So, I mean, this, you know, it's real stuff. I mean, these, you know, it's stuff that we see on the news over here, you know, when you're there, um, it's it it you know it's it's a real thing, you know, and um, and yet you know the people. I remember going when we went to Russia in 2001 on the. Um, world needs a hero album and uh dave and i went to go do we were over there doing some press and uh you know before the concert and i remember we went with uh our emi rep um and we or and actually wasn't emi was we were with sanctuary at that time so whoever the record company rep was and we went up to this guy's apartment and and that was where mtv was right it was like a dude with a video camera and we're sitting on a couch, right, in his apartment, and that was MTV Russia. Oh, you know? wow. and yes, oh, this, yeah, yeah. And there was this feeling <laughs> of, you know, like, like, you know, I remember our tour manager asking the 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 record company rep, this woman, said, you know, what did you do, you know, when it was communist, you know? And he said, well, you know, we just come home and play cards. Drink <laughs> vodka, you know, and that's all they did. <laughs> but there's this whole younger generation who were thinking more like Americans, you know, they were, they were entrepreneurial. They were, had a, more of a capitalist mindset. They were not thinking like the older generation, uh, you know, who grew up under communism. So, you know, to see this, this, this flavor of how this stuff, you know, moves, you know, stuff we just take for granted over here because it's what our country was founded on in America. You know, you really, you get to see it for what it is, you know, um, over there and, and you realize, man, you know, some of this stuff, it'll take decades and, you know, a generation or two for it to really flip over. So, and going back to Russia in 2010, you know, and seeing it, it's like, wow. It's like, you know, now there's the cricket Ritz-Carlton and Mercedes-Benz everywhere. And you're sitting at Starbucks having your coffee. And it's like, wow, yeah, they've come a long way in the last 10 years, you know. So, you know, even it's, um, 
you know these these countries uh, you know the, the you know the heart and the spirit of the people is to thrive you know and and i think that's what metal music gives them is it gives them this this sort of you know fight for the good mentality definitely i i could definitely see that for sure so if if cool if it's cool with you can i ask you a couple of, of general questions that some uh sure. listen, have listeners have, have asked uh, sure sure Brandon Purcell wants to know, have you always played with a pick? Uh, good question. Um, as a bass player, I play the bass in whatever way it needs to be played so that I can get the sound that I need to have for the song. Um, <clears throat> I've seen people play it with drumsticks and with their feet and all kinds of crazy stuff. I don't do that. <laughs> I literally, <laughs> Me either. I literally, saw, I literally saw a guy in Nashville friend of mine was 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 cutting a record for a guy he didn't have any arms and he played his guitar with his feet and it was amazing i mean this guy was fretting with his foot and picking with his i was like this is like next level shit here right so right. you know it just it just goes to show that if you have to you will right and it was amazing yeah. he was he was an incredible musician um and um uh you know so so but you know for me i played uh, i guess i probably started you know plucking with my fingers um, but as I played, got into playing rock and, and, and metal music, I just liked the sound of the pick. Uh, certainly for thrash metal stuff, when we were starting Megadeth, I was able to play the riffs. Because I'm all, I also play guitar. I picked up a guitar after the bass, so I'm a, I'm a bass player, but I also play guitar. And, you know, for me to really get into the, the you know, into the pocket of the sound of, of the music, I found the pick I was able to play very precise um by nature i'm a i'm a pretty clean player you know i like to hear things clean and performed well and you know when you get in the studio and you're you know with producers and you're playing to a click track you know everything's under the microscope and you can really hear it so that's where i found the pick to have a better performance and to have a better tone uh it's it's not for any other reason and look we just did a lucid track where i was playing with my thumb and finger and snapping and popping and basically playing funk music so i can do that as well if need be hell yeah <clears throat> uh he also asks too uh brandon what is your favorite bass guitar you know i've got several i have some that i that i just keep at home only for the studio right i got a couple of modulus instruments that record really well oh wow i've got a, a fender a 78 p bass that is great tone it's just plug and play my jackson the cbx uh the five string that is the bolt-on version um that is great because when the tone is when the tone controls are set flat it's basically a fender p bass and then if you nice. start adding, you know, um, treble and bass boosts, you can start to get it to be a bit more thrashy. Um, so, you know, there's that. I also have a Spectre, a pre-Kramer Spectre, an NS2. Uh, I played it on all the stuff for the Lucid. <clears throat> it's the bass for that. And um, Marty Fredrickson, uh, I believe is his name, um, he uh, has a bass. He's played bass for Lita Ford and a bunch of stuff. He had a bass... <coughs> excuse me in la at our, at our producer jay rustin's studio and i played that for all the altitudes and attitude stuff that i did with frank bellow um again right tone 
these really dead round wound strings. It just, it was just the right sound for that band, you know? So I don't really have one bass because I find basses all sound different and you just need to find the right one that sounds right for the song that you're recording. Or in my case, when I perform live, I play the Jacksons because they just, they're a great high performance performance bass. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, my current, you know, I have a pre, uh, Kramer Spectre also, and, uh-huh. and it's one of the bolt on series and I, and I love it. I've had <laughs> it forever and yeah, yeah, I absolutely love it. I just personally made the, the transition to a, um, a 4,003 Rick. There you go. You know, when we were doing the euthanasia album, Stuart Spector had gotten his name back from Kramer because he sold his name to Kramer. Mm-hmm. He had gotten it back and he was back in business again. And so I got to know Stuart uh, as a luthier and I bought two bases from him. I bought a four string and a five string. The four was really good. The five, the B, the B string was just a dud and I and, and he, he wouldn't take it back. So I, <laughs> I think I sold it. He was a very small builder. And he just didn't have the money to buy it back from me. So I was like, all right, I guess I'll just deal with it. But um, so um, I, uh, so I, but the four I, I really like, but it's funny on the euthanasia record, I ended up using that 78 P base and the Fender P base. And then that's when I got into the modulus stuff. So like on uh family tree, um, and uh, train, I guess training, uh, yeah, training consequences. I used the modulus. Anything that had five string, I used this this modulus, the one modulus on, and that's when I got into using those instruments. And you know, I recorded a lot of Megadeth records with the with the modulus stuff. So you know, Megadeth kind of liked the modulus better. You know, loose the lucid and altitudes and attitude like the Spectre. Um, so you know, again, it's it's. Um, you know, I, I usually when I go in to record something, and I think that look the diet stuff I've used, um, I've used the modulus stuff, and it's interesting the diet stuff, which is tuned to C. I took a, a five string bass and I tuned it up a half step, um, which kept the strings really tight. And rather than tune, you know, when you turn a bass down, everything just gets fucked up. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like the strings aren't happy, the speakers aren't happy, the the compressors, everything's upset. They just don't like it, you know? So I figured, well, let me take a bass and tune it up a half step because everybody's happier when things are tuned up because the strings are really tight and things get more musical. So um, I did that, and it, it worked really well. So that's probably how I'm going to tour that band as well is by, by you know, keeping things in a, you know, kind of tuned up and see. Definitely. Absolutely. A uh, couple more. Uh, Jason Roach would like to know, in your opinion, how can young bands break through and survive today? Uh, well, breaking through is one thing. Surviving is another. <laughs> There's yes. a two-part question. You know, look, you can do any number of dumb things to get famous, right? Um, <laughs> you know, making a living is a whole other story. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so look, it's, you know, look, first of all, you know, they call it playing music, so you should enjoy it, you know, because there's going to be a lot of work at it, especially if you want to do it professionally. So there's a couple things. Look, if you want to be a songwriter, move to L.A. or Nashville, write songs, you know. Um, if you want to be in a band and do all that, well, <clears throat> you know, the days of, you know, becoming, you know, Metallica or Avenged Sevenfold or, you know, any of the, you know, cool bands who Megadeth that, you know, actually made it, I mean, we all got in under the wire at a time when it was still possible. Um, 
those days of that big success for rock bands is it's tough now, you know. Um, you oh, know, it's just completely saturated. Yeah, it, it, it there, look. There's a lot of bands, and the one thing about the internet is it made it available for everybody to be an artist and put your stuff out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that it's that it's necessarily good. I mean, that's the one thing about record companies is they, you know, they had very discerning years and they sort of separated the wheat from the chaff, and you know, they developed you. You know, I've I've worked with some not only great musicians but great managers, great producers. You know, people who made me better. You know, um, and you know that's you got to be open to that kind of criticism too. So one of the things I'd say to any band, look, if what you're doing is working, keep doing it. If what you're doing ain't working, change, you know, do something different. Right. You know, if when you play more people come in the room, good. If when you play people leave the room, you might want to consider what you're doing. Maybe (laughs) what people want to hear, you know, (laughs) and I've been in bands that have had both, you know? Um, So I know, you know, so that's a couple of things I would say. Absolutely. Uh, so, again, before we go today, the Kings of Thrash Tour starting February 16th and rolling all the way for a month March, till March 15th, uh, yep. where you're back in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, where you were just here recently. Right. Hell, yeah. Do you uh, do you have any shout-outs you want to give or, or anything? Do you want to plug anything? You know... I, I talk a lot. I've probably talked too much. Not <laughs> at all. Not you, at all. Uh, you know, um, it, it's, you know, look, yeah, I've, I think I've kind of said everything that needed to be said. I mean, look, <laughs> you know, I just appreciate the fans that have been with us on the ride. And, you know, thank you. You know, the reason we're even doing this interview today and, and um, it allows us to have a voice to, you know, the next generation who, you know, are, are metalheads and rock and roll fans and, want to come out and see what we've been doing and what we're going to be doing next. So um, thank you to everybody, and especially to you guys as well, Mark and Athena. I appreciate it. Thank you, David. Thank you, man. Um, you know, I just want to, like, point this out, because this is this is like serendipitous, too, is uh, <laughs> March 11th, you guys are in Greenbo- uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, at Hangar 1819. Right. <laughs> really? Yeah. I'll tell, tell, tell you what, I will give a shout-out to that guy, because I did some shout-out videos for every venue, and that guy did ask, he, and I didn't want to say it in the shout-out, because I didn't know, but when he responded, he goes, thank you for the Ellison for doing the video, but man... Can you do another one and say that thanks for naming your club after the song Anger 18? I didn't know. I mean, I didn't want to offend the guy. Maybe he didn't know Hanger had a song called Anger 18. You know? so, uh, so anyway, this is a shout-out to him. Thank you for naming your club after Hanger 18 and um, and beyond since it's Hanger 18, 19. So we're ready to rock it. Hell yes. That's fucking awesome, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Athena, do you have anything to add? No, man. I mean, I just had that one burning question. You know, it was such a pleasure meeting you uh, last weekend and then getting, you know, I got to talk to you twice this week, Dave, and that's really fucking awesome for somebody like me who, you know, uh, well, I already told you my story, but like, you know, I grew up listening to Megadeth and it catapulted me into so much, so many other venues of metal. And now my life just revolves around metal all the time. So thank you. A huge thank you to you. And, um, you know, again, it was just such a, such a pleasure to talk to you and meet you. You're welcome. Thank you. And likewise, it was very nice to meet you. And, uh, thanks for spending a little time hanging at the, uh, at the convention and, and also check it out. Kings of thrash. We appreciate it. So we'll, we'll, 
we appreciate your testimony that uh, the show was actually pretty good. So, <laughs> absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> so I will definitely be coming to the Cincinnati show uh, on February twenty okay. fifth at at Legends right. because, like I said, I've wanted to go there for for a while now. Hell yeah! So my final question of the day is: uh, Is there an a band or an artist that you think is just so good that has ever just wanted to make you give up playing music? <laughs> um, no, not really. Um, I've had a lot of uh, I've had a lot of artists who have inspired me to keep playing. Okay. Um, you know, the ones that I like, you know, the Jaco Pastorius bass player, you know, look, I, you know, as much as I'm a bass player, guitar players have, you know, inspired me just as much. I mean, Eddie Van Halen, I'm reading this, uh, you know, you got another Eddie Van Halen book now, you know, and it takes me back to when I first dropped the needle and heard Running with the Devil and I listened to that record and, you know, just how it blew my mind. You know, Tom Scholz with Boston, those records were just flawless, you know. Um, you know, when I heard Def Leppard on Through the Night, you know, and I knew that they were, you know, young, you know, that the drummer, you know, Rick Allen was only 16 when he cut the record. And I was my, me and my band, we were all probably 15, 16 years old. It, that was an inspiration. It said, fuck, we can do this too, you know? So, you know, I think that, um, look, some people are blessed with this just, you know, jaw dropping, amazing, you know, next level talent, the Ingves and Eddie's and Randy Rhodes and these guys. But, you know, to me, it inspires me. Um, it makes me go, wow, there's, there's, there's people out there that are just thinking so far outside of the box and so far beyond what's being done that I think I find it inspiring rather than, than something that, that makes me want to just put my tail between my leg and walk away. Hell yes. That is a great answer for that because nobody should ever make you not feel like you want to do something that, you know, you should always strive to overcome and be better. Well, you know, here's an interesting thing, you know, and there's a, there's a, there's a well-known, um, like motivational speaker who talks about this, you know, focus on your strengths, you know, don't, don't focus on your weaknesses. You know, some people, and for some people, they're like, hey, my challenge is, is I'm going to get stronger and get better at this. I'm not so good at this, so I'm going to work at it to get better. And 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 there's certainly, you know, there's some kudos to, to that. But, you know, there's a reason we're strong in certain areas because those, that's, you know, that's how the creator wired us. Those are, our, those are the strengths that are meant to be, you know, things that, that's, that's, that's sort of the fuel in the, in the, on the fire, right? So, Go with the strengths. I, I just read somebody was talking about it the other day. I don't know if it was Steve Vai or somebody like that. And and they and I, so don't quote me that it was Steve, but it, I just saw a couple of Steve Vai interviews recently, and he was saying something about that. He says I just focused on my strengths. I never paid attention to my weaknesses. Why would I get frustrated? Right? Obviously, that's not those aren't my strengths. You know. Right. So, so and that's I think kind of one of the things you discover in bands. Um, and in musical ensembles is look, there's a reason the guy plays the drums. He's a great drummer. I'm not a great drummer. I can play the drums. I'm not a great drummer. Right. Um, I'm a, I'm a pretty fucking awesome bass player, you know, but there's guys who certainly play guitar a hell of a lot better than me. That's why I'm not the guitarist, you know? Um, and I think bands are kind of an example of every person is in that musical setting because they're a master of that field. Right. And, and so you want them to be great at what they do, you know? And I always find, 
hire people better than you. You know, they will make you better. You know, don't don't just hire people that you think are going to make you look bad. Look, that that's one way to improve your improve your strength. You know, and I've been in, you know, look, I've got, I was fortunate in Megadeth, man. That was a very fucking high caliber group. And as is Kings of Thrash, as is Dieth. I mean, you know, so I, I find, you know, pretty much everything I've been involved in. I mean, you know, these are people that continue to this day to make me better, you know, because I walk in the room and they're looking at me going, all right, brother, lay, lay it down on the base, do your thing. And it's like, man, I got to bring it, <laughs> you know, so. That's that's why I'm in the room. They want me to kick ass on the base. So that's what I do. Hell yeah, Dave. Thank you so much for coming on to the Metal Forge this week. This has been so fucking cool. Uh, definitely a dream come true for me being a bass player and everything. So I appreciate it. And on yeah, our way Mark. out today, why don't we listen to the new Dieth song in the Hall of the Hanging Serpents?
What's up, Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast, If You Have Ghosts, You Have Everything. Featuring first-hand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio. Something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground. From the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine! An independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. 
visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com.